When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye Talk is about to begin Hey, 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 come on in Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. It's your Wednesday Buckeye Talk from Doug Lamarice, along with Nathan Baird and Stephen Means. We're going all recruiting on this one. We are diving in on the 2021 recruiting class because we're two weeks out from the early signing period when the Buckeyes will be getting signatures from these guys. So we want to delve in. We want to take a step back a little bit and then go a little deep. Tell you who these guys are, remind you of them. Listen, it's a great class. So we want to go through that. Steven has a lot of information on these guys. So we're going to do that on this Buckeye Talk. We're going to step back from all kind of the craziness that's been going on. But as you know, Ohio State seemingly back on track to play Michigan State on Saturday. We will get into that much more on the Thursday Buckeye Talk. We expect to talk with someone from Ohio State on Wednesday about that. Maybe Larry Johnson, who will serve as the game day coach against Michigan State, because as you know, Ryan Day has tested positive for COVID-19 and will not be at that game. And then the other news, Ohio State number four in the playoff rankings released on Tuesday night. And if there had been a great big surprise, we would have talked about this a lot. There's, There's stuff out there on this, but they're in a normal spot. And they are where we thought they were, which is they didn't get penalized for having their game against Illinois canceled. This is going to be more of an eye test thing with the College Football Playoff Committee. Nathan has written a few things that are on the site at cleveland.com. We'll get into it a little bit more in the Thursday podcast, but there's not a ton of news, which is good news. So take sort of the lack of action by the committee as a good sign for Ohio State. They were four last week. Therefore, this week, they remain on track. I do not think they have to play in the Big Ten Championship game to make the playoff as long as they stay undefeated. But by the way, if they play the Michigan State game and if they play the Michigan game, they are on track for the Big Ten Championship game. Because as long as they only miss two regular season games, they can still play in Indy. If they miss three, they would then be ineligible. So that's where we are. This is going to be a recruiting pod. You guys will like it. We've already recorded it. And then we'll come back on Thursday, again, diving in what's happening with the team, maybe some rapid-fire questions from the textures. Appreciate you guys. Here we go. Big-time recruiting pod on Buckeye Talk. All right, breaking down this 2021 Ohio State recruiting class that will become official, at least mostly, two weeks from now, signing day, early signing period, Wednesday, December 16th, Ohio State, 20 verbal commits in this class. We're going to go through maybe guys who can contribute early. We'll go through kind of position by position. Um, Maybe some of the guys that did not wind up in this class that they kind of wish 
they would have. But one of the overriding things, and I, and I don't, this is not a, how can you have a negative recruiting podcast about Ohio State? I mean, like, it's, it's insane the way they're recruiting right now. But Stephen, Nathan, there was a time when, you know, we thought this might wind up as the number one class in the country. It doesn't feel like it's going to end that way. It still could. It still could. But was there anything in the end? They're number two behind Alabama right now, the 247 rankings. Why aren't they number one right now, Stephen? What's the main thing? What's like the one guy they didn't get? Or maybe it's that Alabama got three guys that people didn't expect. Or is there one? Why aren't they quite maybe what? we were talking about they might be when they were ranked number one in 2021 several months ago. Yeah, it comes down to really J.C. Latham at this point, a five-star offensive tackle who forever in a day was supposed to be coming to Ohio State. And then within a week, I think I was on furlough at the time, but within a week, all that momentum shifted towards Alabama along with a, a couple other guys that Alabama was in on and Ohio State wasn't necessarily in on. But that one commit right there, flip, basically all that momentum flipping towards Alabama was kind of the igniter of everything Ohio State had done in the spring as far as the run of commits they had. Alabama had the same thing. They were pretty dormant throughout the spring like most of college football was. And then, as Nick Saban does, eventually he gets the ball rolling. And so they they got a bevy of commitments. They have two of the top five players in the country. Um both offensive linemen. So, but it, go, it comes back to JC Latham and then Devonta Smith also flipping from Ohio state to Alabama. Obviously he's not as highly rated as JC Latham is, but losing one who was already in your class along with another who probably should have been in your class allowed Alabama to take a lead here. Yeah. Latham feels like the, the big one to get a tackle mm-hmm. like that, a five-star tackle uh, when they could, they could have used a tackle. They wound up with a tackle, but they wound up taking, a tackle at the end that they were sort of picking from a group of guys who were not nearly rated as highly as JC Latham, which is, which is fine, which happens. Stuff happens. Alabama, 22 verbal commits in this class, according to two, four, seven sports. And I'm not going to keep saying two, four, seven sports. We use them. They do a good job. They have an aggregate rating that brings in a lot of people, the, the composite rating. So that's what we use. They do a nice job over there. 22 commits, six, five stars, 12, four stars, four, three stars. That's Bama. Six, 12, four for their 22 guys. Ohio State, 20 verbal commits, four, 12, four. So Bama, two more five stars, and that's the difference. They both have 12, four stars. They both have four, three stars. Bama has two more five stars. So that's how that works out. We'll get into a little bit more on maybe some of the guys that still could be added to this class. Maybe a couple of the guys that you thought they were maybe going to get and did not wind up with. But I want to get into the guys of position by position, starting with who might contribute the most right away in 2021. But Nathan, this discussion, and this is your now your second full year on the beat. This discussion comes with the caveat of like, they don't usually do anything. It's like, it's what it's like, Hey, five stars. Awesome. What are they going to do in year one? Watch. They're going to watch chase young was the fifth guy in a defensive end rotation. And he was chase young. The only freshman really, the only freshman right now who's really doing much of anything is Jackson Smith and the Jigba. Nobody else. Paris Johnson, we thought, what if he won a starting job? Doesn't mean Paris Johnson's not great. He's great. By the way, so he didn't beat out Nicholas Petit Frere, who's like playing at an all Big Ten level. Okay. They didn't need Paris Johnson. They would have needed Paris Johnson if Nicholas Petit Frere didn't step up. Court Williams is maybe the guy that if he hadn't gotten hurt, maybe you'd see him mixing in here somewhere. Maybe at some point we'll still see a Ryan Watts or Legend Cavazos mix into this secondary somewhere. 
But for the most part, this is not how it happens. But there's at least one or two guys in my head, Nathan, that I kind of think, oh, 2021, they might do something right away. Do you think there are, is it, are there at least one or two guys in 2021 who could have an impact right away as true freshmen? Sure. And I think opportunity is always the biggest thing. And it's kind of what you're talking about that at Ohio State, the opportunity is usually less, even though you're bringing in the best freshmen in the country every year. You also did that the previous three years. So there's no place for those freshmen to play. So, I mean, they're going to be bringing in great players. I just don't know if there's an opportunity right away. The obvious one is at running back. Um, obviously, Master Teague will be back next season. Trey Sermon is moving on. Um, and and I, Trayvon Henderson, regardless of all that, is is the kind of prospect that I think they can bring in right away and he can make an impact and be a part of this running game, if not the primary part of this running game. I think that'll be an interesting thing to watch play out over the spring and into the, the preseason next year. I think Jack Sawyer is someone who just with, with his credentials is someone that could probably come in. You know, they're, they're losing Jonathan Cooper out of that, although there is still going to be a lot of, of defensive end depth. Um, but he's someone that you would think could come in and maybe contend right away. But it might end up being just in a Chase Young kind of way, just like a rotational uh way um and then i I, i'm intrigued by obviously kyle mccord that's going to be what everybody's eyes are on and then someone like even a jacalyn johnson someone who could come in as a cornerback um when when now you're gonna take sean wade out of this rotation going into next year we've seen how thin they are at defensive back this year um they obviously again have some freshmen right now that you think will have a bigger role next year we'll get someone like him come in from day one and contend but i I agree with you and and steven too that like these guys it's not what Ohio state does. You usually have to really pay your dues no matter how great you are before you get that opportunity. I was just looking up some running back stats. Frank Gore's kid plays college football and he's in the NFL right now. Still. Awesome. I did not know that Frank Gore jr. Is among the top 100 rushers in the nation. Holy moly. Cause I was trying to look up B John Robinson and I'll keep looking him up and what he's doing at Texas this year. But the guy that I had mine and I agree, Nathan, I think everybody would agree that all the, the guys you named, We'll get to Jack Sawyer. We'll get to the quarterback competition. I didn't want to blow up the podcast with a quarterback competition right off the top. But I do think one of the interesting things about Master Teague, like looking pretty stinking good against Indiana, was like, oh, yeah, he's back next year. Now, that not that we're – I mean, we're doing a podcast about a recruiting class, so that's why we're jumping ahead. But I had sort of been under the assumption of today, this year, is sort of a patch-it-together running back year with Sermon and Teague. And then, Stephen, I was just – sort of us waiting for Travion Henderson and Evan Pryor, that dynamic duo, two top 100 running backs, Travion Henderson, people think he might be the best running back in that class. And they come in and like, they're ready right away. But master T guy doesn't feel like he's going anywhere and he's going to be f- healthier next year than he is now. He sure looked pretty healthy off his Achilles injury against Indiana, but he's going to be a full year and a half removed by the time we get to the fall of 2021. How do you think that running back situation might work out, Stephen, with Master Teague? And I know they still have Marcus Crowley. They still have Mayan Williams, but they have these two big-time freshmen coming in. Do you think that we will see those two freshmen on the field in the run game or at least one of them in 2021? I think we'll see Travion Henderson for sure. I mean, the number one running back in the country, number two, 22 player overall. I think they're going to keep trying this two-back system every year and keep running into that brick wall until they break through it. And it might work next year because Travion Henderson's a five-star and Master Teague has proven that he's at least a quality back in the Big Ten. And so I think they keep trying that out. But if they end up in a one-back system, I think Evan Pryor is more suited to be a complimentary back than Travion Henderson is right now. And that's not saying he's he's not better than him, but simply – 
Evan Pryor is more of a guy you can use in a third down situation as a passing running back, while Travion Henderson is a guy you just give the ball to and say, here, here's the ball 25 times, go get us 150 yards. Okay, we mentioned that. Do they do that? Does Ohio State use a third down running back? I mean, it, uh, maybe maybe Trey's in there a little. I mean, they don't. I, to me, if they are going to have a two-headed running back thing, I mean, when they had J.K. and Mike Weber in 2018, it wasn't that. It was just you shared the load. I, to me, yeah. when I think about multiple running backs at Ohio State in the Ryan Day offense, I'm not thinking about a third down back. I'm thinking about you just have two tailbacks and you kind of split series. So if you told me that in 2021, it's going to be Master Teague and Travion Henderson splitting series and maybe Evan Pryor just kind of has to wait a little bit, I might buy that. That actually might be my prediction right now. Would that be what you guys sort of predict right now that – you just slide Travion Henderson into the Trey Sermon role and you split it and that Travion Henderson's better than Trey Sermon, which can be left unsaid. And that that's how this run game works next season. Yeah, that's exactly what I think is going to happen. And we get literally when JK got his freshman year and then when Master Teague is gone, it's maybe the Trey, if Evan Pryor is still not ready, it's the Travion Henderson show, which I don't think anybody will have a problem with. But you're also transitioning here in just one offseason from where, you know, look at where we were in the first week of March where we were like, oh, my God, does this team have anybody at running back? To where now you go into the next fall, you're going to be looking at Teague, Henderson, Pryor, uh, Chambers, uh, Crowley, Williams, I guess, on the tail end of that. But now you're starting to get a pretty big stack of guys, um, and I don't know uh, – that, that you know that it almost becomes an embarrassment of riches to some extent not all those guys are at the same level obviously they're not all like you know it's not the same as what they're doing at quarterback but still you're stacking that room up pretty big well what happens and i mean just we're just speak truth here and of course lower rated recruits can wind up being great players we know that but you get caught in a situation where they never leave a hole. They don't, it's not that they don't take a guy at the position. It's they wind mm-hmm. up reaching for a lower-rated guy when they wanted because they didn't get the higher-rated guy. So then you have the lower-rated guys, and then you go to the next class and you recruit, and you say, hey, look at all this opportunity. We don't have any high-rated guys. So now you bring in two high-rated guys, and then the lower-rated guys are still here, and now you have six running backs. Yep. So not everybody's going to stick around. And I don't know. I mean, who knows? Maybe one of those other three guys that you mentioned, Nathan, will run for 2,000 yards for Ohio State next year. Good luck to them. But they're not going to stay with the six running back room for very long. I think these two freshmen are coming in, and we might see one or two guys moving out. But they needed this to get this balanced out again. And now they can get on track a little bit. And again, I'm not going to turn this podcast into don't recruit too many good players. Is that what everybody loves? Well, that's my big take on recruiting. But oh, that's man. not what – but that's not what they did here. No, but that's I mean, but, but to reset with Henderson and Pryor, now I, I don't know that you're going to get a five-star running back in 2022, but I also don't know that you necessarily would want a five-star running back in 2022, but then you can get a five-star running back in 2023. Now it's like the court, they sort of had a blip because after JK, they had the Brian Sneed transfer they had a couple things that didn't quite work. You end up reaching for the transfer. You don't get the guys last year that you thought were you were going to get, and you're in scramble mode a little bit because you had kind of multiple running back classes that didn't go the exact same way. Now, Henderson and Pryor, like, fix you immediately. They patch you up real good. And now you have a little bit too much, but now you can set it up again. Not that we have to talk about, so what does this mean for running back recruiting in 2024? Will Travion Henderson be back as a senior? I don't know. What do you tell the seventh graders? 
that's not what it's about. But I do. They just they kind of they're getting through the bump right now. And and my gosh, I just I, what do I know? I'm mostly following what other people say. Stephen, like ah, Travion Henderson might be like special, not just like hey, like J.K. was special, and we heard it all through camp. Mm-hmm. That like this guy is kind of gonna force his way into playing. And it was like, oh, maybe he'll share it with Mike Weber in 17. It's like, no, listen, dude, like he's gonna play. And then Mike Weber got hurt, and then it was like, oh, he's that. I think Travion Henderson could be beyond that. And again, so, not many guys do it at Ohio State, but the rare ones do, and there will be an opportunity here. Yeah, I think you're gonna get a little bit of history repeating itself here. Not necessarily because Master T is gonna get hurt like Master, Mike, Mike Weber did, but the idea of J.K. Dobbins, his first game as a Buckeye, he went into a Big Ten arena away from home, and he basically proved what everybody had been saying all spring and all, all fall camp about him. And I think Trey Sermon might uh, – not Trey, I'm – whoa, whoa, whoa. Travion Henderson – I'm sorry, Travion, I did not mean to compare you to Trey Sermon. Travion Henderson is going to be in the exact same situa- situation. He's going to go into Minnesota where they're going to have a first-year starting quarterback, and they might lean on the running game in that game, and that might be the opportunity where it's – Oh, yeah, he was the number one running back in the country coming into college football. Okay, yeah, there he is. Well, we, you know, well, he goes 20 carries, 170 yards just because they feed him the ball. To note, by the way, B. John Robinson, who is the guy who Ohio State thought they maybe were going to get in the recruiting class that would have landed him as a freshman running back at Ohio State right now, he has 67 carries for 348 yards. It's a 5.2 yard average. Texas in their loss to Iowa State last week, 23-20, they lost to Iowa State. Bijan Robinson had 16 carries for 54 yards, a 3.4 yard average. So I think he's a good player. Like he's like a you look at he's like kind of a a really impressive guy to look at. And uh, he'll probably have a really good career, but he's also not setting the Big 12 on fire and having Ohio State say, oh man, I can't now there's other problems at Texas too. But I, this 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 is really good. This is sort of like where you, as good as Kyle McCord is, as good as Jack Sawyer is, as deep as their cornerback class is, this is really where I think you you start you almost have to start this discussion with the 2021 recruiting class is with running back because when it happened, we made a big deal about it. You don't see it very often. Trevion Henderson, again, as Steven said, the number one running back, the number 22 overall player. And then you add on top of that, Evan Pryor, the number two running back, but he's all purpose back the number 78 overall player. So two top 80 players at running back in the same class. It's hard to do. It's a credit to Ohio State that they made it happen. The fact that they missed before helped these makes come about. You have to keep that in mind, but they delivered. And if they didn't deliver, we would have started off this podcast by freaking out. If they were like, oh, well, they missed on their running backs again, and they have a couple three stars coming in, we would be saying, what are they doing? This is such a pass-heavy offense. They can't recruit running backs anymore. So we have to acknowledge that, man, they got it done with Trevion Henderson, and anybody who's watched his highlight films thinks that guy might really be something here. Let's move to receiver. We'll keep it on the offensive side of the ball. This is interesting because the receivers are just kind of like normal in that they're really good, but there's not 12 of them, right? That This is just, you had four last year. We know they already have more recruited for 2022, but it's Jaden Ballard and Marvison, Marvin Harrison Jr., Jaden Ballard, an in-state kid, Marvin Harrison Jr., a high school teammate of Kyle McCord. These two guys, how do you think they're going to fit in? 
Chris Olave is going to be gone to the NFL. Garrett Wilson's going to be back. So I think we sort of anticipate there might be a lot of Garrett Wilson in 2021, but you know, there'll be some opportunities, but also now Julian Fleming and everybody else who's been waiting, they'll be in year two. They'll want to get on the field. Do you think Marvison, Marvin Harrison, I'm always going to call him Marvison, Marvison Harrison, Jr. Marvison Harron Jr. Marvin Harrison, Jr. And Jaden Ballard, are, are they like splash guys? Cause I think maybe we thought these receivers would be splash guys and they kind of aren't so far. The pandemic certainly has something to do with that. Mm-hmm. Or are these like, hey, you stockpile, Steven, you stockpile all these receivers and you don't get in a situation where any of the freshman receivers really have to play. So these guys will spend maybe 2020, 2021 watching G. Scott and Jackson Smith, the Jigba and Julian Fleming get their turn. No, I, I do think I think they get back to normal with this wide receiver rotation because you can't have this much talent and not use it. I, we all get why they didn't do it this year. And so I think. Jaden Ballard first, because I've actually seen him play in person. I think his trajectory as a true freshman could mirror what Chris Olave's was, where he's not really a part of the rotation. He's a special teams guy, the way most freshmen are. And then if something happens, like with Austin Matt getting hurt, and then you start hearing about Chris Olave, hearing about him, and then he gets out there for the Michigan State game, and then all of a sudden the Michigan game happens, and it's like, oh, my God, Chris Olave. And Garrett Wilson was obviously more a part of the, the rotation, but he really exploded in that Michigan game last year. I think Jaden Ballard might be that for this group where works his way, works his way, works his way. And then all of a sudden, maybe midway through the season, he starts getting a little bit more time. And then he's the freshman that exposed in the Michigan game. I, I think that's a trend that we're going to continue to see in the wide receiver room. Nathan, do you think, are you sort of anticipating more of a six man receiver rotation again? next year that what they're doing right now is more of a function of Olave and Wilson are so good and the young guys missed all the offseason time and that's why they're leaning so hard on those top two receivers or do you think that maybe we're entering a world where they don't rely on the six-man rotation as much and if they got three dudes who they like they'll play the three dudes I think they may just base it on what what the personnel dictates you know who's producing and what they think is going to happen there I could definitely see in a scenario where it's more like the 2019 approach on hyper drive or whatever with Garrett Wilson, where he's because he's not KJ Hill. You could see him being the most prolific guy as far as receptions. And then you sprinkle in everybody else around him and maybe they rotate those other spots. But I also see him. He's not going to be exclusively a slot guy. I think he becomes next year a guy who, as they're already doing with him, you're going to move him all over the field and he's just going to play the Garrett Wilson receiver role. It's not going to be X, Y, Z, H, whatever. So I, I, that's kind of, I guess, how I envision it. Now, maybe if one of these other guys separates, if Jamison Williams separates, if Julian Fleming or G. Scott or, or Jack Smith and is actually probably the best candidate right now, separates and kind of becomes the Garrett Wilson to Wilson's Olave this year, then maybe it, it becomes less of a rotation. But as I sit here today, I envision it being a little bit kind of like 2019, but, but up a notch as far as what Wilson is compared to what KJ Hill was. I think if you had to guess right now, your top, five receivers for 2021 would be obviously Garrett Wilson's going to be number one, probably far and away. Number one. And then Julian Fleming, Jamison Williams, Jackson Smith, Najigba and G Scott Mm -hmm. to me. So that's like a group of five. And then you're trying to see Cameron Babb, who we had seen at times, sort of, there were pictures of him in practice. He's battled injuries. Could he get healthy and he's okay. And he's a part of the mix now, maybe, Mookie Cooper, again, who still just might be a scooch behind the other freshman receivers because he missed a senior year of high school. Those two guys would be the existing guys. 
And then you have the two incoming freshmen. Cause I, I think by next year, Jalen Harris and Elijah Gardner, if they haven't done it yet. I don't think they're going to start doing it in 2021. So, you know, that's, that's a, a little hair of opportunity, but it's also not a necessity. And I think Nathan, I think your answer of sort of like, it's kind of split in the middle a little bit on, are they going to just only rely on two guys? Or are they going to rotate six, six? It might be like, okay, well, Garrett Wilson maybe isn't going to come off the field very much in 2021, but his versatility will allow sort of like three or four or five other guys to rotate in various ways as Garrett Wilson kind of moves wherever. And I think if it's only three guys, then they'll only use, you know, be Garrett Wilson and three others. If they have four Wilson and four others, if they have five Wilson and five others. So if Marvin Harrison jr. Or Jaden Ballard comes in here and sets it on fire, you know, I don't know that there'll be a roadblock, but they also won't be leaning on those guys, right? That they were, you know, as it turned out, I think the reason that they're playing Olave and Wilson so much is because the next best options did include these freshmen and they didn't really have a chance to get ready. So Jackson Smith, the jig has shown something, but I just think that's a component of it. It's half how good Olave and Wilson are and half that it was a screwed up year and they had a bunch of young guys at the position. So, but this is good. Like, I don't know, four receivers in a recruiting class. You have two in 2021. Now you've already got the 2022 guys lined up. Do you like sort of the balance, the numbers, the types of guys, what they're doing in the receiver room, sort of stacking classes, Steven, do you, do you like how they're stacking them? I do. And I like the variety. You've got guys like Marvin Harrison Jr. You got me saying that Marvin Harrison Jr. Who is clearly an outside guy. G Scott clearly an outside guy because of that type of size. But then you've got guys like Jackson Smith, Jigba, even Julian Fleming who can kind of be versatile and where you put them on the field. Mookie Cooper is obviously going to be a slot guy only, but a lot of guys, even Caleb Burton in 2022 built like Garrett Wilson, where you can put him in a slot, you can take him outside. So I like the versatility of it, but also the fact of the matter, could we see more four wide receiver sets next year? Because you could lose your top three tight ends after this season with two being they gonna, seniors and one being Jeremy Ruckert. Are they going to keep recruiting guys who we would call slot guy only in the future? No, like, I, I mean, I obviously Hartline recruited Cooper. I mean, he was involved in bringing him here, so he was comfortable with that. But his stated goal is to have versatility at all three of those spots. So I'm curious what that means, not just for the recruiting in the future, but what it could mean for Mookie Cooper. I think Garrett Wilson has kind of showed what they want from their receivers and that versatility. So I think, I think Mookie and, Cooper and was part of too. And Jackson Smith, you're right, but that's a, a correlation of that, which is pro- probably why they're in Texas so much is because all three of those Texas guys that they've gotten look exactly the same. I think Mookie Cooper was kind of some Rondell Moore. They saw a guy like that do, you know, <laughs> win a game against them. And so they kind of fell in love with it a little bit. And always having that type of guy is, is great, but you always, you want, I think having an outside, a guy who's strictly outside and having a guy who's strictly inside is okay. As long as the other guys in between can go everywhere. And I'm here for it. I like those guys still. Mm-hmm. And I've written about why doesn't Ohio state have one of these little fast guys. And so it just, it hasn't really clicked for them in a while. And so if it doesn't click with Mookie Cooper, I think Nathan, you might be right. It's like, listen, where that's, that's just not necessarily where we're going anymore. Now, listen, if there's some, you know, five, nine and a half guy in Western Pennsylvania or Illinois or Michigan or Ohio or Kentucky who runs a four, two and wants to come to Ohio state, then they'll take him. So, I mean, they'll just do it, but I just, I think you might be right, Nathan, that we're seeing the expansion of, you know, the types of guys they want to fit in things. And maybe there's not, cause listen, and I've just mentioned this happens to be, I don't know if I want to say where my daughter goes to high school. Well, I guess I will. There's a kid in the Columbus suburbs who 
is at Westerville South, who is kind of like, he, it's where Jalen Gill went to high school. And this kid's like the next Jalen Gill. He's like a slot guy. His name's Caden Saunders. I think he's a top 100 national recruit. I don't know that he ever got an Ohio State offer and he's going to Penn State. And I think he's really good. I mean, I ha- have coincidentally have kind of watched him a lot. He's an explosive guy. And I think maybe in times past that he'd be exactly the kind of guy that Ohio State would be recruiting to play H-back. And, and maybe they just aren't quite thinking that. I think that, I mean, I, I don't know that there's even a doubt. They're not quite thinking that way as much. And man, if all of a sudden you're turning Garrett Wilson into a slap, I mean, I'm going to try to think. My wedding day, the birth of my two children, the day Ryan Day said Garrett Wilson was moving to the slot. That, that's possible that that's number four. And I know, Stephen, I'm on your corner, but something... Oh, you can come, listen, I'm all for everybody come over to the Garrett Wilson corner. I'm all for it. Something surged through my body. I saw the world. Colors were brighter. You know, like birds, the songs of the birds were louder when I realized that Garrett Wilson can play the slot at Ohio State. It's like you just, there was, there was the, all the days of my life before Garrett Wilson played the slot and then all the days after Garrett Wilson played the slot. And so I don't know if it was a similar experience. I don't know. This would be, this is a good offseason story. Can we write this down? Yes. How Garrett Wilson moving to the slot changed humanity. Changes that too much. Changed the course of human events. So, but once that works, it's like, once you go to Garrett Wilson in the slot, it's like, Hey, I got a, I got a kind of fast five, nine guy. It's like, get out, find me another Garrett Wilson. What are you talking about? A five, nine guy in the slot. I want this. I want this. I want ball skills. I want route running. I want hands. I want speed. I want physicality. I want the guy who can go deep, who can catch a slot fade, who can burn you across the middle. That's what I want. We should really have him on the, like Steven's, uh, Steven, I think is going to leave this podcast and write poetry now. That's where we are. I, I, here's what, honestly, it's just, I think that the, the thing I love most about sports is when you get moments like this where, you see something happen and you know everything else before it didn't matter. And it, 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 Garrett Wilson just happens to be the human being who's in that spot of, uh, it's like when Urban Meyer you know, started beating teams with the spread offense. It's like, oh, okay, this is, this is how we're going to do things now. And then all of a sudden Ryan Day showed up and Dwayne Haskins threw 50 touchdown passes. And it's like, okay, all right, this is what we're, we're doing this now. And now Garrett Wilson is like that new guy in that spot of, oh, okay. which is why when it happened, it was like, it wasn't so much that he was in a slot. It was the fact that now anything is possible because there's no H X Z. It's just, you're a wide receiver. And if you're good enough, we're going to put you in a position where we're going to get a mismatch on you. And we're going to go score touchdowns. It's like, if someone said, it's like, I didn't think that chase young could be a running back. But then they put him back there and everything changed. And it's like, I hadn't even thought of that. So it's, that's where they are with the receiver recruiting. The receiver recruiting is great. Let's transition to the thing that, that you brought up, Stephen. Now, the one thing is, I think we have to remember, not that, I mean, honestly, people, teams put four guys wide a lot. They just don't put four receivers wide that much because you want to have personnel that puts the defense in a bind that doesn't give away what your formation is going to be. And I just don't know that Ohio state's ever going to consistently get away from three receivers, a tight end and a running back. And when they go empty, they're splitting in the tight end and the running back out wide. So 
the idea that they would ever consistently have four receivers on the field together when you literally can count on one hand most of the time when they do it in a year, I just don't ever think they'll get to that position. There's too much you can do with tight ends these days. I mean, there are teams who are playing 12 personnel all the time, and that's what we're talking about. Oh, Ryan Day is one of them. Ryan Day loves 12 personnel when he can have Farrell and Rucker out there together. So to go to a world where it's like, okay, we're going to have – four receivers and a running back and no tight end. I just don't think it's going to happen, but they're in a little bit of a pinch at tight end. And that's obvious. Luke Farrell is a senior. Jake Houseman is a senior. Jeremy Ruckert is a junior who has skills. The Jeremy Ruckert decision, Nathan, do you think it's possibly the most important decision that an individual player has about his future for the Ohio state Buckeyes this off season? When you think about sort of positional need, the skills of the player, what they have behind him. Listen, there, there'll be a couple other guys. I mean, I'm trying to think who else would even, you know, Tyreek Smith might have a choice that would have an effect on Ohio state. Right. If you're assuming those interior offensive linemen are gone. Right. Which I kind of am. Yeah. yeah. Then I'd of say guys yes. where it's like 50, 50. Yeah. Then I would say yes. That if you assume Wyatt Davis and Josh Myers are gone, Wyatt Davis is certainly gone. Josh Myers, who knows, but also it's sort of like, well, if Josh Myers goes as good as he is, you know, they move Harry Miller to center they, or they move Luke Whippler in. Like they have guys there. There's just a little more uncertainty at tight end because beyond Farrell, Hausman, and Ruckert, who are your three guys now, no sophomores. You have redshirt freshman Cade Stover, true freshman Joe Royer, and then the commit in 2021 is Sam Hart. It feels like they're going to really – this is why Cade Stover moved. This is why Cade mm-hmm. Stover is no longer a defensive end. This is why he's not on defense because he's an athlete. This guy is an athlete that they're trying to put at a position where they need an athlete, a guy who can block and also do something. It's a little bit reminds me a little bit of like the Rashad Barry. Rashad Barry is just an athlete. So you figured out where you could use him. But I think Cade Stover is going to end up having a more important role just because there aren't as many other guys around him. But Sam Hart, not ranked as high. This is a recruiting podcast. You know, Joe Royer's the freshman right now. There's no consideration to Joe Royer getting on the field. But if Ruckert goes, Sam Hart as a true freshman, as it stands now, would be the third tight end on the team. And there are every now and then a third tight end is involved here. What's Sam Hart's like in the 300s, right, Stephen? What kind of player is this guy they're bringing? Yeah, 382 overall, number 15 among tight ends. He's not going to be ready to be a part of the offense in year one. That shouldn't be the expectation for him, which is why you get back to, you know, how personnel does your how your personnel dictates what your play calling is and what your sets out there are. Prime, prime example this year, one of the reasons why they're also using the tight ends as much as they are, especially in the passing game, is because these four freshman wide receivers didn't get a spring. So, yes, I logically, you want to use Jeremy Ruckert over one to use uh, Julian Fleming in year one. That might flip next year because, quite frankly, as we just pointed out, the depth that tight end isn't there. The guys that you're going to have to rely on don't have a lot of experience. Either It's either Cade Stover, who most of his work is done on special teams, or Joe Roy or Sam Hart, who haven't necessarily had any – who have no experience whatsoever on the field. And so you're going to have to rely more on these wide receivers. So that's – it's the thing here is they missed out on Hudson Wolf, who ended up at Tennessee. That was supposed to be their second tight end in the class, which is why they moved forward and grabbed two in 2022. And so that's when you're start going to see that room start to build up again. But I think this year, this next year, it's going to be pretty much caged over as the only tight end who's probably on the field. I wonder if tight end might be the position I most think is most likely you could see a grad transfer between now and next year. 
Because right now, Kate Stover is not even the guy who's playing in place of Jake Hausman very much. It's Mitch Rossi, who's a former walk-on, wasn't even really a a tight end. So I I don't know. I think he's someone that they like long-term for the things you're talking about, Doug. But can he make a big contribution? Can he be the front-line tight end on this team next year? Can any of these guys be a front-line tight end? This may be one area where they have to maybe look at the portal a little bit. I think you're right. I think that's a good point. I think the issue at tight end in 2021 is reflected in the fact, as you said, Stephen, they already have two committed in 2022, mm-hmm. right? That it's like, hey, they're already making up for it. Benji Gosnell and Bennett Christian, 264, 388 overall players in 2022. Hudson Wolf, I'm just throwing this out there. Tennessee is among sort of the big time programs who are kind of a mess right now. I don't know that Jeremy Pruitt's on the hot seat or anything, but I don't know. Like, it's just always one of those things. It's like, hey, Ohio State's Ohio State. They liked a kid who wound up committing to a program that is not nearly as successful as Ohio State right now, and you got two weeks. So every now and then I'm like, well, you know, it's sign anything yet. I, not that, you know, I, I, I just don't know. I, don't, I, I, I wouldn't say they're desperate at tight end, but if Ruckert goes to the NFL, you are kind of desperate at tight end. And again, the idea of is a – is adding another true freshman tight end for 2021 going to actually be the answers? Nathan, I think you might be on it here because they are going to have a little more wiggle room with the scholarships in 2021 because if guys can come back and whatever, and like they're going to have exemptions for COVID and all this stuff, and this year's not counting for anybody. Uh, Kyle Pitts, I think Kyle Pitts wants to play for Ohio State. He's got to, he's from Florida. Maybe Urban can work it out a little bit. I don't, I don't know. He's actually, he's probably going to go to the NFL, but I think that's a good point. We've seen it. Jonah Jackson, Trey Sermon. Let's play that. Nathan, you want to go through the uh, the best tight end grad transfer possibilities in the country? <laughs> Off the top of my head? <laughs> Off of your head? <laughs> uh, there's Gene uh, Stewart-Smith out of uh, Akron. Little I mean, known guy. He's putting up big numbers in the MAC. There's there always- is, a, there is a tight end in the transfer portal right now from Tennessee. So. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, his name's Jackson Lowe, so. The big, the big 10 always has extra tight ends. I mean, that's the one position the big 10 <laughs> produces. So maybe Iowa can spare a tight end for the Buckeyes uh, next year, but one, one in the freshman class and Sam Hart, let's do offensive line before we take a break, three offensive linemen. And this is where they did not wind up with the big time offensive tackle that probably, is that fair, Steven? Like if you, if you could add one more, type of guy if you could add a five-star at any position to this class would it be an offensive tackle 100 obviously tristan lee is still out there but momentum isn't necessarily shifting in ohio state's favor right now and him not coming for the buckeye bash doesn't help that but yeah if of the positions where they need a five-star i know emeka and jt are out there but offensive line is where it's at especially after missing out on jc latham so at guard they have ben chrisman an ohio kid number 122 overall player in the class They have Donovan Jackson, the five-star from Texas with Ohio roots, number 16 overall player in the class. And then they wound up kind of playing like name that tackle. And they, they wound up with the kid who was very reminiscent of the offensive lineman. They gathered two recruiting classes ago, kind of in the changeover class when they had a lot of local kids. He's from Indiana, Zen Machalski, number 544 overall player in the class, a three-star. So, you know, you got Paris Johnson waiting to start. That's pretty darn good. It would have been nice to add J.C. Latham or somebody like him to that. They didn't. But the guy that I do want to talk about is Donovan Jackson. 
Because if you assume that Wyatt Davis and Josh Myers are going pro, and let's just let's assume it, and then what a great bonus for Ohio State if they both don't go pro. But if you then think, and I think we all would agree, okay, well, then Harry Miller is one of your three interior guys next year, and Luke Whippler is probably one of your three interior guys. And then you do have other options. Enoch Vamahi, Matthew Jones. If, you're, if Dewan Jones got any reps at guard as he did, you know, during the brief Wyatt Davis opt-out, you have some options there. But I do have Donovan Jackson on my radar as a five-star guy, 6'4", 308. I went crazy when Michael Jordan, many moons ago, won a starting job as an offensive lineman. And it was like, this should not happen. He was really good. Congratulations to Michael Jordan. But he was forced into that because they had a bunch of recruiting misses on the offensive line. And they were sort of forced into playing a true off- a true freshman at guard. I don't think they're at that spot because we just ran through some of the other options there. And I, you know, Ryan Jacoby, you know, they have, they have, do have some options there, but I just wonder, Steven, like, I just wonder maybe, and we thought it with Paris and it turned out, you know, Mm -hmm. he was at least, I guess, in the fight. He didn't win it. Is there, is there a reason to at least wonder about whether Donovan Jackson could insert himself to some degree into a battle to be a starting guard in 2021? Yeah, I, I think that's where we're at with the offensive line right now with the way they're kind of attacking it, where it's like every other year as a guard and the years in between they get the five-star tackle because Harry Miller was 2019. In 2021, you've got Donovan Jackson now. And so, and if Jonah Jackson didn't arrive, I mean, we probably would have been saying, hey, can Harry Miller start at left guard, left of Josh Myers in 2019? And so I think that's just where we're going to be at with the offensive. If they continue this trend of – five-star tackle, then five-star guard, then whoever the five-star insert the name of the position is, we're going to go, hey, can this guy win a job over the guys who have been here and developing but haven't necessarily showed it yet? So, yeah, I mean, he looks dominant on tape. He's an Ohio kid who, same story as Garrett Wilson, moved to Texas because his dad got a job. And so, yeah, I think he's in that position. Now, will it actually happen? I mean, I doubt looking at in the past with Paris Johnson, I don't think it will happen because I think it's a lot harder to do it with interior guys especially. Um, but yeah, the, the idea of in January, when we're talking to these kids on Zoom, when they get here and we're going to all be asking Donovan Jackson, hey, do you think you can start as a true freshman? And to your point, they already have a tackle lined up in 2022 who they locked yep. down Tago Tashibola, number mm-hmm. 127 overall player in the class. So that, that's that's a nice tackle to have locked down very early. Nathan, the fact three offensive linemen in the 2021 recruiting class, we talked about the miss with Latham, it, it doesn't feel, Steven said, it doesn't feel like Tristan Lee is going to happen. It, it, I don't know. Is this, are you, are you okay with this offensive line group? I mean, this is the number two recruiting class in the entire country. Three offensive linemen, two of them are really good and one's kind of a late grab. Are you okay with that? Or does it feel like a little bit of an opportunity lost here on the offensive line? Well, it can, it can always be a little bit tougher to judge on the offensive line because you look at another position and you say, let's take running back, for instance, where you're like, well, they whiffed that year and it was going to cost them. But one year later, you can bring in Trevion Henderson as a true freshman. You think you can get production from him as a true freshman of some kind. I, that's much harder to gauge with offensive linemen. Those guys usually take more than one year. So when you're trying to, to look ahead as to which years need plugged, I think that can be a very difficult thing to to make a prognostication about what I will say is for next year, for this coming year, I don't think they're in that bad of shape because you're going to have Jackson and potentially Petit Frere, as long as he doesn't also, I guess, go pro and then Dewan Jones. So as far as tackles are concerned, you think you're probably okay at tackle for next year. Mm-hmm. Um, but then what about 2022? Are the guys you're getting for 2022 going to come in right away? Cause you know that Petit Frere is going to be gone by then. 
and maybe also Dewan Jones if he were to hit or something. I don't know. So you, you, I, that's what I think makes it tougher. I, it, it's just that that speculation because offensive line is just so much more uneven. I feel like as far as the development, or maybe maybe because it is more even that you almost always have to wait that first year. That it, it's it's harder to say. Well, you missed one year because and it really cost you because you're talking about two years down the line. Yeah, you got to running back or receiver or defensive end. You can kind of like your recruit is kind of like buying a plant. Like you go to the store, you say, I need a plant and you go buy a plant and then you have mm-hmm. a plant and offensive linemen are like planting a tree. And it's like, I need a tree seeds. and you, yeah. you play. All right. Well, these are nice seeds. These are high quality seeds. But if you come back next year, there's still not really going to be much here. So it's going to mm-hmm. take a while. It'll be interesting to see the six-person offensive line recruiting class of 2020. Paris Johnson and Luke Whippler, two big-time dudes. And then the four guys who are kind of like Midwest or Ohio area guys, lower rated, Grant Tutant, Josh Fryer, Jacob James, Trey LaRue, like who pops out of there? You're not going to go four for four. Though All four of those guys are not going to become – they're all three stars, I think, are not going to all become starters. Do you get one or two? Like Pat Elfline, was there a Pat Elfline in there? Right. Do you go over four? Do you go two for four? And that I think is going to make the difference of do you wind up in a spot where two years from now you feel like you're a guy short on the offensive line or you feel like you're fine? Because, hey, one of those four guys is like a two year starter. He's awesome. And it was like, wow, awesome. Great for him. He was ranked in the 700s or whatever. And look at the kind of player he became. Those stories do happen for sure. But they might they might need one of those to happen in the midst of five-star Paris Johnson, five-star Donovan Jackson, five-star Harry Miller, which again is 90% of the teams in the country. You tell them you can have one five-star offensive lineman in a decade. They'd say, we'll take it. So the idea is like, well, they only have Harry Miller, Paris Johnson, and Donovan Jackson as five-star offensive linemen. What's wrong with them is like crazy, but you know, we'll see how those guys develop. I was going to say the other thing to remember too, though, there's some guys that we talk over pretty quick, like Matt Jones, like Enoch Vamahi. Those guys were not like scrubs coming out of, yeah. I mean, those guys were four-star guys, fairly highly ranked guys as offensive linemen go. So I, I don't dismiss completely, obviously that those guys could do, cause they're, they're, they were higher ranked than someone like Thayer Mumford was right. Who came in and has been a three-year starter for sure. R- Ryan Jones- Day went in to get Enoch Vamahi. He flew to Hawaii a couple of days before the late signing period period to go get him. So yeah, that's, a good point. Matthew Jones is on the two deep right now and is just mm-hmm. sitting there maybe waiting for like Wyatt Davis to go pro and he, he's going to pat him on the back and say, Wyatt, I love you. I'm taking your job. Like he might be ready to play at an all big 10 level next year. Who knows? So yeah, I think you make a good point. All right. We'll come back quick break. There are nine offensive players in this 2021 recruiting class. There are 10 defensive players and there's a punter. So we've gone through all the offensive players except one. We'll come back and get to him and then flip to the defensive ball, defensive side of the ball. You're listening to Buckeye Talk from Cleveland.com. So let's have the quarterback discussion that we've had a million different times. If you guys want to get sort of this recruiting news as it happens, Steven is constantly talking to recruits who are on Ohio State's radar. He's talking to the 2021 commits. He's talking to the 2022 guys who just committed, 2022 guys who are considering Ohio State. When he talks to them, he starts texting about what they told him. 614-350-3315, 14-day free trial. It'll get you through the Michigan game at least, and it's 4 bucks a month after that. Buy it for yourself for the holidays, for Christmas, for Hanukkah. I mean, it's like a great little present. 
614-350-3315. Kyle McCord is coming in to battle C.J. Stroud and Jack Miller for the starting quarterback job in 2021. I think he could win it. I think the fact that we have learned literally nothing about Jack Miller and C.J. Stroud through the course of this season because they've only played four games so far and they really have never gotten much action for those backup quarterbacks has like at least it, I don't think it's probably changed much for Ryan day and Kevin Wilson and Corey Dennis and like making this decision. It's given us much less of a window. So we don't have to spend a lot of time on Kyle McCord. He's good. Ryan day plucked him. Ryan day could have had a bunch of different quarterbacks. He picked Kyle McCord and Steven, I th- think we do, do need to lay down Kyle McCord just finished like a bonkers high school career, right? I mean, this guy yeah. lit it up in Pennsylvania high school football. Yeah, high-level Pennsylvania p- football at St. Joseph's, Joseph's Prep in Philadelphia. He just won his third straight uh, state championship out, out there. He's a pretty pretty good quarterback. He's worked his way up these rankings until being a five-star. He was He's among the Elite 11 for his class. I, I think it, we, when we've had this conversation in the past, there was a legitimate you know case that you can make for why he's going to end up being a starting quarterback here. He's a guy Ryan Day went and got early, and – in the same vein as Jack Miller, except he continued to be to trend towards being a five-star. And the fact that Ohio State had problems getting quarterbacks to commit and then keeping the and then keeping them committed through the entire process through signing day. They did it with Jack Miller, and now they've done it with Kyle McCord, a guy who committed back in 2019, was the second, second guy to join the class and has been committed ever since through adding another guy to the 2020 class and then getting Quinn Ewers in 2022 on top of that. This is a pretty good prospect coming in here. So – in the overall quarterback rankings, when you combine the dual threat and the pro mm-hmm. style, which is, I think, the only way to do it anymore. It's like the, the, the dual threat and the pro style is kind of as – I get that they designate it. It's just so more guys can say they're ranked one at a position. But Kyle McCord is ranked fifth in this class. Number one's Caleb Williams. That was a big competition. He's going to Oklahoma. It's a guy out of D.C. Sam Heward, legacy at Washington. He's going to Washington. Brock Vandegriff who's from Georgia, he's going to Georgia. And then J.J. McCarthy, who wanted to go to Ohio State, and Ryan Day picked Kyle McCord instead. He's at IMG Academy, but he's originally from Illinois. He's going to Michigan. And he's a guy that a lot of Michigan's future rests on J.J. McCarthy right now. And this will be a fascinating thing to see this develop. It's a clear – that was it. It was like that was the choice. It was like Ryan Day. Is it Kyle McCord or J.J. McCarthy? He picks McCord. McCarthy's going to the rival, and he's going to have a chip on his shoulder about Ohio State for his whole career. We've talked about it so much, Nathan. I do think it's interesting. This was other, I was going to say, other than the pandemic, other than the global pandemic, this has been a pretty smooth recruitment of Kyle McCord. But they got him early, and he didn't get hurt, right? So that's like mm-hmm. Jack Miller. They got him early, then he got hurt. And then how is he? What's his health like? C.J. Stroud is a late grab. They had kind of a bunch of weird things happening with dudes around the time when they were getting Justin Fields as a transfer. This is what you want a quarterback recruitment to look like. Even Quinn Ewers committed and decommitted. Kyle McCord has never been anything but a Buckeye. So the recruitment, assuming he signs in two weeks, the recruitment is everything you want. It feels like he's the type of quarterback, 6'3", 215, that Ryan Day wants. And I think he might come in and win the starting job next year. I don't know that there's much more. I don't have much more to say than that. Do you have much more to say than that? I'm looking forward to watching him play football. If there is spring football, I am greatly looking forward 
to Stroud, Miller, and McCord, all of us getting our eyeballs on them. But my assumption is this dude is going to come in and be competitive from the get-go. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to next spring because I feel like so much of spring football is phony and we talk up some things that aren't maybe necessarily actually there because we feel like we have to find something to talk about when so much doesn't necessarily get decided until the fall um, in, in a big way or over the summer, like things keep developing. They don't get decided in the spring the way we sometimes talk about them. But next spring is going to obviously be huge because of this position battle. And I think Kyle McCord, from, from what I've learned and people I've talked to, like he's come into this with eyes wide open to what this situation is. Um, I know that you know, we've obviously had our, our, um, our, our spat on here about how much recruiting a five-star in behind him affects him. I think it's more interesting, though, that – you know, he came he knew right away that there were going to be two pretty highly recruited guys, uh, including a five star coming in in front of him, getting their getting their feet set in this program, learning the offense. And he was going to have to come in and try to win the job on top of that, which seems like a much tougher challenge than them potentially recruiting someone in behind you, no matter who it is. So I, I that to me tells you something a little bit about the guy's mindset. And uh, I agree. I think it's just going to be fun to watch these guys play f- football. assuming we get to actually watch them play football. By the time this kid signs in two weeks, he'll have been committed to Ohio State for 20 months. So this is this is how much of a Buckeye uh, this guy is. So looking forward to it. Best of luck to him. Best of luck to Jack Miller. Best of luck to C.J. Stroud. They have three good options, and it's going to be hard to replace Justin Fields. But um, they're in a good spot. And then, of course, as you mentioned, Quinn Ewers is on the way. Let's flip quickly to special teams. Jesse Murko, he's from Australia. He's going to be the punter. Get used to him for four years. So I don't know what else to say to that other than the last time 43 year old punter by the time he's done. Right. The last time they got a punter from Australia, he was awesome. awesome. He was so good at his job. And then by the way, it's like he went to the NFL and I don't think that I don't know that he, I don't think he was drafted, but he was like on the practice squad for the Eagles for a year. And we were like, he's awesome. When are they going to realize that? And now Cam Johnston is the punter for the Philadelphia Eagles. So I don't know. Drew Crispin's been fun, but I think Jesse Mirko is going to step in and be just fine. Jesse Mirko comes from the exact same academy as Cam Johnson, too, that Pro Kick Academy in in Australia, and they've got a pretty good relationship. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure Cam Johnson's uh, wife is the one who broke the story that he was committing to Ohio State. So, yeah. Yeah. So I think he'll be good. So you'll hear that name a lot. Let's deal with the one defensive end. Jack Sawyer, the leader of this class, Columbus Suburbs, has been a five-star from the jump, has been a leader of this class from the jump. My assumption for next year, and again, you know, there are other guys ahead of him, Darian Henry Young and some Jacoby Cowan and some other guys. But if you said Jonathan Cooper's leaving, Tyler Friday, Javante Jean-Baptiste, Tyreek Smith, and Zach Harrison are back, and then Jack Sawyer slides in, and that's your five-man defensive end rotation, I'd say, yep, that sounds about right to me. I can't imagine he's not going to play. But I think someone mentioned, I think Nathan early, you said, okay, maybe like that Chase Young role, that fifth guy as a defensive end. Steven, I mean, is that, does that make sense for you? Does this guy, and I know this guy had a limit, his high school season was limited, right? He got hurt. He didn't play. Does that uh, affect him at all? No, he, he tore his MCL his junior year in a playoff game. He's been fully recovered from that for a while now. He just chose not to play his senior year for COVID concerns and just, ate chicken breast and brown rice for the last four months and put on like 40 pounds. He's fine. I think his role is going to be chase young played 196 snaps in 2017. I think that's what Jack store is going to be around this in 2021. Nathan, how eager are you to see this guy? Because again, it's like, Oh, what else is new? Ohio state has a five-star defensive end, 
But I do think we have noticed that when you don't quite have a Chase Young, it does make a difference for how this defense plays. And again, I just saw another rating from PFF that like Ohio State's defensive line is the highest rated defensive line in the country. And it's like, I don't dispute that. However, Michael Penix threw for 491 yards. It was only sacked twice. So both those things can be true, I suppose. But in the end, at some point, you have to take the 491 yards and only two sacks into account one way or the other. And they're just not quite at the same level when they don't have a Chase Young type guy. And this feels like Jack Sawyer might be a Chase Young type guy. Well, maybe, but I think let's also not forget that we thought we were saying that about Zach Harrison too. And and where is he today? I mean, it's not like he's not being a productive member of that defensive line. I think he's actually grading out pretty good, but he's not coming in and doing what Chase Young did as a sophomore. So that's, I think expectations should be realistic. I think the other way to look at it sometimes is we look in reverse and say, how did Chase Young only play um, as, as the fifth guy in that rotation as a freshman? But the other way to look at it is that rotation was so solid that someone as good as Chase Young was the fifth guy. I mean, it, you, when you got down to your fifth guy in your rotation, the guy the other team was going against was Chase Young. So it, I it suppose it depends on, you know, how you want to look at it, potato, potato, to some extent, six, one, half dozen, the other, however you want to say it. I think he should be a guy that comes in and makes an impact as a freshman and, and can hold his own as a freshman, whether he can come in and be um, a, like the guy that comes in and creates that kind of dynamic um, by himself. I don't know. I think that remains to be seen. Yeah. I, I think the one difference uh, bringing up Zach Harrison as a quality example, OCC football, both of them came from OCC schools. I think, I don't know how great Zach Harrison's get off was when he was coming out of high school, uh, Jack Sawyer seems to have that similar get off, which is where this all, that's the talents coming in. I think Zach Harrison had a higher ladder to climb than I think what Jack Sawyer is going to have coming in here. I think that's part of it. So that you're saying they played in the same high school conference in the Columbus suburb. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The OCC is pretty big though. So it's like, four, I mean, you know, OCC has got like four different divisions for the yeah. same conference. And Sawyer's from where? He's from one of the Pickerington's, right? Pickerington North. Yeah. Pickerington North. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, to your point, Nathan, it's almost like it's not that Zach Harrison hasn't been good. He has been good, but he hasn't quite yet been Chase Young. So I say, so line up another five-star and see if this five-star could be Chase Young. And I'm just using Chase Young as a shorthand for an impact guy who changes the game, right? And no, there may never be another Chase Young. That's what Chase Young was. But, you know, I, 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 I don't know how to say this. I, I don't think there's any reason for anybody, like, to be critical of Zach Harrison. It's a weird year. Mm-hmm. There, he's in a rotation. He does make an impact when he's in there. He's graded out pretty high. He's a very good player. But the Bosa Bosa Young standard was just ridiculous. And I'm interested in lining up another guy who can strive for the Bosa Bosa Young standard. And I, I don't think it's fair to say he has to reach that, but I'm sure curious to see if he can. And if they didn't have another guy lined up who at least had a chance to do it, then I'd, I'd feel like they're missing something. So that's where they are with defensive ends. That's what Larry Johnson has done here. That's what their recruiting has done here. That if you don't have a five-star who at least has a chance to be Chase Young, it feels a little hollow to me. So if, if this class was this class and Jack Sawyer didn't exist, you'd feel it just like we're feeling the absence of J.C. Latham, right? Mm-hmm. You would feel the absence of a Jack Sawyer-type player if there wasn't one here. So I just want to like acknowledge, man, there's a Jack Sawyer-type player in this class, and his name is Jack Sawyer. Uh, I was I was gonna gonna say, be, go ahead, Nathan. 
I was just saying, just to clarify my point was we were talking specifically about 2021 impact and that the Bosa Bosa young standard is how is based on where they ended their careers, not where they started. Right. True. And then, I mean, Joey was really good as a freshman. Nick was pretty darn good as a freshman. And yeah, but Chase didn't have to be a star as a freshman because he was the fifth guy, all those things. And you're right. I I guess I am talking a little more about long-term. I'm curious to see if Jack Sawyer is not the fifth, at least in a five-man defensive end rotation, if he's just like doesn't play at all as a freshman and he's healthy, I'd, I'll be a little disappointed. But I'm, mm-hmm. but if he, I'm gonna not assume, but to some degree anticipate that he'll look kind of like Nick Bosa or Chase Young as a sophomore until there's reason to think otherwise. And I'm gonna be writing about this, but I. I... Jack Sawyer, like a first guy in the class, and just like Kyle McCord, was pretty easy recruitment. He committed to a school 15 minutes from his house to go play for the greatest defensive line coach in college football and just relaxed and watched the, crowd, the class build around him and didn't really do much. He only really would go to camps at Ohio State. He didn't go to other places. His idea was, why would I spend money to go to Alabama and USC and Texas and all these other day camps when I can just drive 15 minutes away from my house and learn from Larry Johnson every other weekend? So. Another easy commitment for Ohio State. Easy. Just easy. As right? easy as it gets. Yeah. I mean, God bless it. You have a five-star in your backyard, and he's that, he's that dedicated to you. It's, yeah. That's kind of easy. Uh, two defensive tackles in this class. Mike Hall, who I think might be certainly um, the candidates for the most underrated guy in this class. Ohio kid, 44th player in the class. 6'3", 290 pounds, the number 44 overall player. And then Tyleek Williams – the second defensive tackle, he was a, a later add to this class. Mm-hmm. Um, two defensive tackles. I'll tell you what, in terms of fitting them onto the roster, it's a shame. I wonder, and it's very hard with this whole thing that you don't. this year doesn't count for you. Haskell Garrett just has not had a ton of snaps in his career here, and he's playing awesome despite getting shot in the face, and he's a senior, and I just wonder if he might want to come back. I just wonder if he would be interested in that to have like a normal, I mean, not only the pandemic, he got shot. Like just to come back and say, can I have a 12 game normal senior season and put more on tape for the NFL? Cause he's been great, but he he's never played like this before. I wonder about that, but he's scheduled to go Togi. I awesome. A junior who could go talking about guys who may stay or may go. Nathan, this is another position group where, you have Teron Vincent behind him, but there's a not there's not a lot of other stuff there. Jaden McKenzie is a redshirt freshman. Cormonte Hamilton has a redshirt freshman. Antoine Jackson is a senior. If you would lose, if both Garrett and Togiai leave, all of a sudden you start leaning on Teron Vincent really, really hard. And then I think a guy like Mike Hall is almost guaranteed to be in the defensive tackle rotation as a true freshman, if you lose both those guys. And I think it's at least on the table that you would lose both Garrett and Togiai. But I think it's also on the table, given the weird eligibility stuff, that both Garrett and Togiai would be back and what a huge difference those two situations are. Yeah, when you asked about, in, in terms of Rucker, whether that was the biggest decision, I said yes, because I am already kind of just dismissing that Togiai might be gone. 
that he's just too good mm-hmm. um, and and that that position is too uh, valuable to the NFL that I think that he is probably moving on. Um, and I would I would be surprised if Haskell Gear came back. What you're saying makes sense. But I also think that there's a there's a part of it like your stock may never be higher than it will be at the end of this year. And you're a little bit older. Those things do play into it at some point that like you've only got so many years i've only got so much of a window to really capitalize on this so i i think this is the position that is going to maybe stand up as the it's going to be kind of like the cornerback of 2021 or the way cornerback was for 2020 you know what i mean like we're looking at it going into the fall being like what's going on here like who's gonna actually be the guys who make an impact i mean they're gonna be asking a lot of tron vincent who hasn't who has played and been okay at times this year but hasn't had any kind of the make breakthrough that maybe some people were thinking he might finally have after missing all of last season. Um, and so they're going to definitely need some guys even more so than this year. We talked about Garrett and Togiai as guys who were like rotational guys who had never really stepped up before and made a big impact, but at least they had been rotational guys. The guys are going to be looking at next year to do this to this point are not even really rotational guys. When you start talking about anybody beyond Vincent, they're guys who are just not playing right now in any significant way. Right. Not it's really, that, but also I'm kind of interested in are there any position changes amongst that offense, defensive line? Because Darion Henry Young and Kobe Cohen came in here as defensive tackles and moved outside, but there's going to be opportunity inside. And does one of those guys move back inside to somebody else? Tyler Fry is going to be an outside, but he can, he also came here as a defensive tackle. So do we see some movement going on where because you've got Jack Sawyer, you maybe have another top five player in the country coming in at defensive end as well? Do you see some of these guys where they maybe moved outside to begin with, move right back inside because there's opportunity? I almost think that the better way to say that is those two guys were, I know that they, I think they were not necessarily moved to defensive end. I think they told them they could start at defensive end. I don't know that they ever thought either one of those guys were going to stay at defensive end. Well, but it's also one of those things. Sometimes you take a young defensive lineman like that, you teach him pass rushing technique and hand fighting and get mm-hmm. off at yeah. defensive end. And then you put, put 15 right. extra pounds of weight on him in the off season and move him inside. And all of a sudden mm-hmm. you might have a Drayvon Jones on your hands. Right. Um, I don't want to dismiss Tyleek Williams, number 157 overall player in this class, the other defensive tackle, but I do want to talk about Mike Hall a little bit more. Is he dealing with an injury also? Steven? Um, he, no, he's back now. Okay. Um, he broke his hand in practice, but he was only out for two weeks and he finished out the rest of his season. Okay. And so that guy, I mean, like what, again, this guy is the number 44 overall player in the country. Yeah. And he's a defensive lineman from Ohio. This feels like this, this guy is, feels like a, maybe like a swing player in this class that it's like, okay, well, you know, Trevion Henderson's going to be good and you know, Jack Sawyer's going to be good. But if Mike Hall comes in here and is like a three-year starter at defensive tackle or something, that's kind of like a game-changing kind of thing. Like, What's the upside for this guy? High upside. This guy has moved his way up the rankings over the last year. And I think they're high. Maybe a three-tech, maybe a no. He can play either position. He's extremely athletic for a guy who's that size. Uh, what, What is he? 6'3", 290. He's pretty athletic. I'm not going to say he's Tommy Togiai strong, but – He's pretty strong. I, there's a high ceiling there where if he's not a starter as a freshman or at least in the rotation, he might go from a guy who, if he doesn't play as a true freshman, might be a starter as a sophomore and be an impact player for two straight years. Yeah, that's a guy to watch. Make sure, I, I, you know, if you guys who are listening to this, no recruiting at all, you're already watching my call, but that's a guy who, again, it's about opportunity. It's about the way the roster shakes out, right? That this, this is a guy who, 
I, I don't know that they'll be in a position where they're relying on him for snaps in 2021, but there's going to be a chance for him to establish himself, I think, in year two, year three, year four here at defensive tackle. Linebacker, again, I think you can tell by what's happening in 2022 at linebacker. It reflects a little bit what's happening at 2021 um, at linebacker. In 2022, they already have three commitments in C.J. Hicks, Gabe Powers, and Desan McCullough. And like that's we think that's like, holy moly, that's Al Washington getting to work. That's like game-changing linebacker stuff. The 2021 guys, Reed Carrico, really good Ohio linebacker. And then Jalen Johnson, who again is more kind of like a bullet kind of safety linebacker kind of hybrid. Is that right, Stephen, when we consider about how Jalen Johnson fits in here? Yeah, he's him, Court Williams, saying uh, they're going to the role Josh Proctor has this season will be the role they'll have going forward. And Nathan, this is interesting because we just talked about this, I think, on the podcast the other day. Maybe again, talking about could these guys who are seniors actually be back next year because this year of eligibility doesn't count. And then here, as we're recording this on Tuesday, Tough Borland accepted a senior bowl invite. So that's sort of all right. Well, you're going to the senior bowl. I don't think you're coming back to be another to play again. So if you're losing Baron Browning, Tough Borland, and Pete Werner, we know Kayvon Pope, Taraja Mitchell, and Dallas Gantt have been waiting, 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 waiting behind them, and they're ready to step in. But then beyond them, like, there is opportunity. We haven't really heard all, really anything. Court Williams is hurt, but the other two freshman linebackers, Cody Simon and Mitchell Melton, just have not really heard much of anything so far, which is fine. Craig Young, a sophomore, has been out there at times. We've seen him on the field a little bit. But a guy like Reed Carrico, he's just like the next guy in line is one of these linebackers. Reed Carrico, very curious to see how he develops. But Nathan, they're going to need – I mean, they're going to have three new starting linebackers next year. They're not going to be true freshmen, but this is a position in flux a little bit, and I'm curious to see how Reed Carrico, the number 76 overall recruit in this class, fits in there. I don't know if there were any other positions on this team that are like so top heavy in terms of the balance of the roster where you had four seniors, including Hilliard and the three juniors right after that. um, And they're all going to be cycling through pretty quick. So I think it is a position that needed to be sort of stabilized a a little bit at a time as you're going through class by class. And, And the guys that they're adding here, I think, do that. And then there's a defensive backfield. And this is where they are getting healthy. They need help. The help is coming and we'll finish off this recruiting podcast with the defensive backs right after this on Buckeye talk. All right. The biggest group in this recruiting class, five overall defensive backs, Jacqueline Johnson, Jordan Hancock, Andre Turrentine, Denzel Burke, and Jansen Dunn. They needed this. Steven, you just wrote about Kerry Combs impact here. Mm-hmm. It's like they brought in Kerry Combs. He got to work. We've talked about, they sort of had that recruiting lull in there for a year. The transition from Jeff Halfley cost him a guy. Now all of a sudden Cam Brown gets hurt and you can see how thin they are at the defensive back. How healthy are they going to get at that position with this 2021 class? Yeah, it's crazy what can happen when you have an assistant coach who actually knows how to recruit. They're, I mean, Ja'Kalen J- Johnson, Nathan mentioned him earlier as a guy who might be able to make an impact right away. And I agree with him because – Sean Wade's gone, but and so Seven Banks is going to be the one starting cornerback. I mean, Cam Brown, depending, we'll see. I mean, Achilles' injury is hard. I don't see a reason why we can't believe Jacqueline Johnson can't claim another other starting cornerback spot. Uh, Jordan Hancock, the other top 100 guy in this class who they had to go steal from Clemson. J- 
Shout out to Jalen Johnson for doing his part in recruiting him to come to Ohio State over Clemson. This is what getting healthy looks like, and it's going to be even bigger in 2022, depending on what some other guys make. But, yeah, th- these are guys where when you've had lulls, just like we talked about our running back, you need to go recruit guys who may be able to play right away and be starters right away and impact players. And I think Jacqueline Johnson's going to be that. It's going to be hard. They just they might have to get through like another year. Like it just, like Cam Brown and Seven Banks might have to do some really heavy lifting next year at mm-hmm. cornerback, and they are really going to need Legend Cavazos or Ryan Watts to like be ready. And then Cam Martinez is this wild card, just this unbelievable offense, defense, high school athlete, player of the year in Michigan that they're trying in the secondary right now. I think we're not hearing much about him because, you know, Watson Cavazos may be in a spot where they need them now. Watson Cavazos may contribute to a playoff team in the 2020 year. And I just don't think Cam Martinez, who like had the ball in his hands as an offensive player all last year, he's just not in a spot to do that right now. Cam Martinez is another one of these guys – if that guy pops because he's just a football player and they figure out how to use him and all of a sudden Cam Martinez locks down your slot corner spot for two or three years, that's going to be huge for this defensive backfield. But this is a get healthy class in this, in, in the secondary running through these guys. Again, you guys, uh, you know it, you're listening to this, you know it, but you just need a reminder to Johnson out of St. Louis. And again, this is kind of this new, newish. St. Louis recruiting pipeline that Dave developed with Cam Brown, Cam Babb, some other guys out of there. This is very good for Ohio Jameson State. Williams. Jamison Williams. Yes. They are in St. Louis, and it pays off big time with Ja'Kalen Johnson, number 43 overall player, number three cornerback. He's out of St. Louis. He's the first, the highest-rated corner here. Jordan Hancock, as you said, flipped him from Clemson. He's a Georgia kid. Number four cornerback, number 67 overall player then you get 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 down to andre turrentine he's listed as a safety he seems like one of these guys who, who could like wind him. up either way he's six foot 175 he's out of tennessee the number 158 overall player denzel burke arizona again some of this arizona connection where they've done some work out there uh, jack miller from arizona denzel burke number 184 overall player and then jansen dunn Probably the truest safety, 6'2", mm-hmm. 178. He's out of Kentucky, the number 198 overall player. I think we know, yes, they want him to be versatile. They want him to be able to move back and forth. In a world, if they're going to continue to only play one safety, you know, you can't recruit three safeties who can never cover guys in man. Like, I think Josh Proctor, right, that's that's a guidelines for some of these guys. It's like, okay, well, you're a safety but one of the better things you do is lock up in man coverage and you can come up and sort of be a slot corner and, or be more like that strong safety and come down. How did they do this with Hancock? Because when they lost Devonte Smith, who again was an Ohio kid that flipped to Bama and I freaked out at the time and everybody's like, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. It's like, okay, well you can say that, but you got to prove it. And then they flip a top 100 player from Clemson. How did that happen? He's a Georgia guy. Clemson's much closer to his house than Ohio state is. How did they manage to land Jordan Hancock? I think sometimes when kids commit, the other commits kind of know when it's maybe won't last. And I think Jalen Johnson kind of knew that. I think Ohio State's coaching staff kind of knew that as well. I think part of the Clemson thing was is is teammate Barrett Carter, the number two outside linebacker in the class, followed him shortly thereafter. So that idea of playing with your high school teammate is always out there. But 
They just never stop. It's sometimes when a kid commits and you know it's not going to last, so they just never stop recruiting that kid hard. There's recruiting a kid, but then there's like you're recruiting a kid who's committed, who you're treating like he's not committed at all. And I think Jalen Johnson did his part. Jack Sawyer, who's been in charge of recruiting the defense, did his part as well. But also Kerry Combs being who he is, Al Washington doing his part as well. Guy stepped in with a guy who committed to Clemson very early in the process, but it always seemed like in the at the end of the day he was going to be a Buckeye. Again, it's opportunity when you have when you are lacking something that you can mm-hmm. really sell that you are lacking something. That's what the best programs do. You turn your weakness into a strength on the recruiting trail. And so now, you know, now it's going to be harder to recruit top 100 probably defensive backs because they're going to say, well, you got five of them in the last class. It's like, okay, well, you'll deal with that next. But this is, they needed this. Again, if we were sitting here and they had two defensive backs in this class and they were reaching for three stars, we'd be going crazy. So they identified dudes. They got five guys they really like. They're long, they're lean. They'll figure out how to use them and they're plugging a hole here. Steven, you said you had some sort of superlatives and we were organizing our coverage of how we're going to write about all this stuff leading into signing day over the next two weeks. What are some of your categories of like guys of who really stand out in this class? And we'll finish up with these, uh, the Steven means awards here. So I'll start with class president. It's going to be Jack Sawyer. I think I'm going to be writing about this. Jack Sawyer literally might be Ohio state 2021 Stephen Curry. He's their franchise guy. They locked him up early and then they just built around him all this talent and he was low maintenance. He'd show up to camps when he wanted to get some work in with Larry Johnson. But other than that, he just went to work helping them recruit the class. There was no problems. It never felt like he was going to go anywhere. And he's been a leader. He stepped up to the plate when, you know, we went to a dead period for a 10th month and put together a Buckeye bash and had all these kids in his house. And they did, had all these activities planned so that guys like Travion Henderson, who committed here without ever seeing the campus, could get a chance to walk around the campus at least, even if he couldn't see all the stuff that usually comes with the official visit. So he's class president. He's the franchise player of the, of the class, and he, and he acted like it. I talked about it with Travion Henderson already. I called it the J.K. Dobbins in, introduction game. The guy who might game one against a Big Ten opponent might just explode. And everything you'd been hearing all through the spring, all through the fall from players and from coaching staff comes to light right there. And I think Travion Henderson is that guy. Most likely to do something crazy in a spring game. We always see something from that from a freshman. I think that might be Evan Pryor where he might make a catch out of the backfield or he might make a juke move or do something that – we come out of the spring game and we're talking, if we do get a spring game and things go back to normal, we're talking about, okay, who's writing the story about Evan Pryor? And we're not going to get him, but we're asking everybody else who comes out, whether it's players or coaches about, Hey, what's Evan Pryor been doing? Because that was awesome. What he did in the spring game. Um, and then first impression to the media guy that we're going to just love talking to as the media because he gives you great quotes. And I think that's Jalen Johnson, the, the defensive back who is going to be a linebacker slash bullet, whatever you want to call it. He, he's just an awesome kid to talk to. And I think he's all, he always gives great quotes. He's the guy who came up with, who started the idea of could this be the greatest Ohio state recruiting class of all time and saying things like we're going to win three national championships. And he was the main one talking about when Jordan Hancock committed to Clemson, that he was still going to be a Buckeye and I've still got some stuff off my sleeve. And then I've already kind of mentioned it most likely to break out in the Michigan game. That's Jay. That's, Jaden Ballard, the, fre- the freshman wide receiver who might work his way up and eventually be the guy we're talking about as the true freshman who once again beat Michigan. All right, we'll get ready to wrap this up here. I do want to end with 
who they might add, who's not in the class yet, who might wind up in this class, if not for the early signing period in December, then by the later signing period in February. But Nathan, what's your sort of final evaluation here? Again, they are slightly behind Alabama in the overall rankings. They are, you know, no surprise, sort of dominating the Big Ten rankings. What's your kind of final thoughts here, Nathan, on what this 2021 recruiting class is looking like for Ohio State? I mean, it seems like a pretty great collection of talent, frankly. I mean, to be number two in the country, we, I know people get wrapped up in the races of these things, but like it, it to, to finish second in the recruiting ranking is not the same as like losing a national championship on the field. It's it's much more subjective and there's, there's a lot more nuance to it than that. I, I think that they've done a good job in, in almost every position here addressing needs that they had and addressing needs with like high caliber guys that you don't see a lot of just like filler in this group. Um, I suppose the one thing that dangles out there a little bit is, as we mentioned, offensive line, uh, did they need another high caliber tackle just to kind of keep that on the, on the, on the trajectory that they had. But I also think we've talked about why they not, might not be in immediate danger there. So um, it's a pretty strong collection. I think anytime you can keep recruiting at this level, you're keeping yourself in the conversation of, of, of how you can just sort of perpetuate this, this national uh, relevance that, that they've established. To run through it real quickly, Alabama currently number one in the 247 rankings, Ohio State two, LSU three, Georgia four, Oregon five, Clemson six, USC seven, Florida eight, Notre Dame nine, Michigan 10. So Michigan is second in the Big Ten. The next Big Ten school is Wisconsin, who is 16th overall. Then Nebraska is fourth in the Big Ten. They're 18th overall. Iowa fifth in the Big Ten, 21st overall. And not a real good cycle for Penn State. Penn State, 14 verbal commitments. Sixth in the Big Ten, 22nd overall. No five stars, six four stars. And eight three stars. And James Franklin, I think, has been talking about that. They're they're just not getting it done. They're not getting it done. And they've been the program that's been the closest to competing with Ohio State. And they aren't coming close to competing with Ohio State in this current recruiting class. Who could they add? Tristan Lee, Stephen, you said that probably not going to happen. But they still have the two Washington kids hanging out there. Who are they? Are they going to get them? And if they do get them, when might it happen? JT Tumalau, number three player in the country, the number two strong side defensive end behind Corey Foreman. I, I think that's going to happen. Um, it might not happen until February at this point because it, that's just how he's going about his process. I don't think he was going to early enroll as is. I don't think he necessarily wanted to. I think he wanted to stick around um, and play his last year, high school basketball and whatnot. But I, I think that one will happen. I think the Emeka Obuka one gets interesting just because – I mean, Ohio State's kind of moved on to, with their 22 class with uh, Caleb Burton already committed and another wide receiver maybe on the way in the coming weeks here. Um, obviously, they would love to add a third in the number one wide receiver in the country, and we'll, we'll see what that one. He really wants to get to Oklahoma's campus, and I don't. that's probably not going to happen at this point. But I would lean yes, but I'm not as confident with that one as I am with JT Tumalau. And then Tristan Lee, I, yeah, I, I think – all the momentum that they could have possibly gotten out of that one is if he would have came to the Buckeye Bass, but he had some family issues, so he couldn't get up here. And I think that was kind of their last opportunity. LSU used their opportunity to get some momentum, and now Oklahoma seems to have swung that momentum in their favor. I just don't see that happening for Ohio State. And I don't think they do either, which is why they've started. They've already offered 16 tackles in the 2022 class. And so they lost two decommits in this class. Devontae Smith, who we talked about before, uh, decommitted, went to Alabama, and then – Again, I Tumiche Adelier, is that his, how you say it? Tumiche, 
Tamisha Adelaye. And Adelaye. Yeah, I, yeah and uh, he's probably going to end up at SEC school, maybe Alabama or Texas A&M at this point. A defensive lineman, another strong side. They, they ended mm-hmm. up with – so I do th- tackle sort of the one spots that you look to, and then they wound up with only one defensive end. And they had – they were sort of dancing around. If they get JT Tumale or um, – you know, the kid they lost, they would have had a second end in this class. It's yeah. not, it's not do or die, mm-hmm. but it wouldn't be a bad, a bad thing to add a guy. So Jack Sawyer has a friend in the meeting room, you know, that would be, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that would be a heck of a defensive line. I mean, two of the top five players in the country, Mike Hall, who's a top 50 kid who I'm, I'm very high on. And then Talik Williams has that other inside interior defensive lineman. Who's pretty good himself. All right, that's our recruiting breakdown. Look at cleveland.com slash OSU over the next two weeks. Steven's going to be dropping player capsules on every player in this class, who they are, um, some breakdowns on them, how they might fit into the roster. So, so go read that. Try the text at 614-350-3315. Steven will continue to, to drop information about what's going on with the recruits there. And we just wanted to focus on this and kind of, again, this weird time for the current team. Um, it's nice to think about the future a little bit because uh, obviously there are good things ahead for Ohio State. And then once we get through this recruiting, uh, this recruiting class and this signing day, we'll start talking more about there are already things popping in 2022. We'll start talking more about that on the podcast. And Nathan, that was kind of like we didn't have to really talk about all the weird stuff going on right now. We just kind of have to talk about high school football players for an hour and 20 minutes. That was kind of nice. Yeah. Back to that tomorrow, though. We do finally get to they are returning to practice or they did today. On Tuesday as we're recording this, and we'll we'll talk to some people on Wednesday, and, and and then we'll talk to you guys. A little bit more back in the flow, we'll let you know what's up with the team. Might do some rapid fire, kind of get get in the uh, the vibe of where everybody's heads are at with the current team. But as it stands right now, it certainly feels like they're getting ready to play Michigan State on Saturday. So thanks for joining us on this preview Buckeye talk of the 2021 recruiting class. Again, early signing period starts Wednesday, December 16th. We'll have coverage on the site leading up to that. And then, of course, I mean, that's the crazy thing about this. It's like if they stay on track now, it's going to be like the Michigan game on Saturday, signing day on Wednesday, and then one more Big Ten game, whether it's the Big Ten championship or Big Ten second place game the next Saturday. It's going to be a crazy like eight-day period for Ohio State football, but crazy is good. Thanks for hanging with us. For Nathan and Steven, I'm Doug. And that was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>